0: Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp.
1: Scott, great to see you again. Thank you, and good afternoon. Looking bright and well. Thank you. Thank you very much for those lovely compliments. (laughs) What have you got for us today? I thought I'd talk about some plants that are in flower and making the gardens look fantastic at the moment. Uh, One of them is the New South Wales Christmas bush. Yep. Yeah, getting ready for Christmas as well. And the Cape Chestnut. Right. Yeah, not very common, but a lovely, lovely plant to have in your garden if you've got a fair bit of space. Now, Scott, the Christmas bush is flowering. Yes. Now, this is the New South Wales Christmas bush. I can see Yeah, we have each New state Zealand. Has, each yeah. state has their own bush. Well, or? each country of most probably. We have the New Zealand Christmas bush, yep. which is a really great salt-tolerant plant. And I guess the New South Wales one is somewhat, but... Uh, it is out in flower at the moment. People love cutting, you know, the flowers off them. Yep. They're not actually the flowers. but We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. And uh, putting them in, you know, inside for Christmas. Uh, absolutely vibrant red. Really, really beautiful plants. Uh, they get, you know, fairly tall, but it's a nice upright structure. Now, the main problem with growing them here in Newcastle, especially down around sort of in the basin, is it's too clay. Right. right. So you need very, very sandy, well-drained uh, soil. You probably do them in Hamilton South, for instance. South, for instance. But as soon as you're getting up, getting up where there's a lot of clay soil, they don't do very well. They get a bit unhappy. Okay. So we're looking not north or. Closer to the coast. Yes, closer to the coast. That's why they love up around Port Stephens. You see them up around Tomaree. all those when you're going up there. You just see at the moment this really vibrant sea of red in the bushland, and that's because they love the sandy conditions up there, and they do very, very well. So it's not actually the red flower. Oh. Yeah, it's actually the, the sepal. Of of, well, it is the sepal, S E P A L. It actually is a part of the flower, but I guess if you imagine a rose, for instance, when it's all closed up and it's got that the green bit and then it peels back Mm -hmm. and then the actual flower comes out. Well, on the New South Wales Christmas bush, the sepal is actually the bright red bit that you see. Right, okay. Yes. Yes. So it, it starts off as a little creamy sort of flower, a little white creamy flower, and then the sepal changes colour and it's opened up and it turns that vibrant red. And that's why we, we love it so much. That's Those nice Christmas colours as well. They are, they certainly are. Uh, so look, yeah, probably oh, how tall are they going to get? I've got my ruler out again, six, eight metres tall. Um, Quite tall. Yeah, you can prune them ish. You just have to be fairly careful. Treat them as a native. They are a native, so just be careful about what you're fertilizing them with. And nice, well-drained soil. Too easy. And you'll get some fantastic flowers, uh, not this year, but, you know, come Christmas time next year. So I've got to wait another year for them. Unfortunately, yes. Oh, yes. Always a way. It is. <laughs>
0: and we've got Margaret from Saltash, and she's got a question about strawberry plants and passion fruit.
1: Good afternoon, Margaret. How can we help you?
2: Good afternoon, Scott. Um, I've got a, a couple of pots with strawberry plants in them, and they've got they've grown like the leaves have got really big. And I don't know whether that takes the goodness out of the strawberries. Whether I should cut a lot of the big leaves off, or just leave it.
1: Oh no, no, definitely leave the the leaves there. Uh, I, are you fertilising uh, at all at the moment, Margaret?
2: Yes, every now and then, um, sea salt I think spray. Fertilizer.
1: Okay. I, I think probably leave the seesaw alone now and go to a fertilizer that's going to promote some f- uh, you know, flowering and fruiting uh, for you. Uh, so any of the other liquid fertilisers, uh, there's Flourish out there. There's one specifically for um, flowering and fruiting. So I would start concentrating on that because that could be the reason you're getting those big leaves and lots of good leafy growth uh, in the plant. Sea salt's very good for the root system of a plant, but it could also be promoting that leafy growth. And you, and you need obviously to uh, get some some flowering and fruiting going with your strawberries. I
2: have had strawberries on it, but they went quiet, and now they're getting a lot of flowers on it again. Oh, They've got a lot of big leaves, and I didn't know if the leaves would take the goodness out of the actual strawberries. You know, like I've heard some plants where they say you should cut the big leaves back because otherwise the flowers don't get the goodness.
1: Oh, no, no. Look, I'd leave them there. They're, they're feeding the flowers, and eventually they're going to be feeding the fruit when... Uh, you know, when it comes on there. But I, I would definitely change your, your fertilising uh, regime and start using some, uh, you know, flowering and fruiting uh, liquid fertiliser to try and give that uh, a bit of a promotion. Uh, I was just thinking about the old strawberry pots used to get when they have, uh, you know, it's a pot, but they'd have these little sort of, I don't know, half oyster things, openings around the side, so you could put your strawberries all in them and then they just sort of spill out and over. So that was a really good idea. I don't know if they're still around or not. I haven't seen them for a while. Yeah.
2: Got an old um, terracotta one, but yes. I've never had much luck with it. And I'm just growing them now in big black tub pots. Okay. And I've got like two, and I've got another smaller one. Then I just, as the runners come out, I just stick them back in the dirt. And um, the, the plant's very old. My sister-in-law gave it to me years ago, so it's um, like just renewing when the when they shoot when the uh, runners come out. I just put them into another pot. And um, like, set the pots next to each other, and stick the runner in. Them. And then, when it takes, then I cut the runner
1: off the other pot. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good idea. And I think another way to grow strawberries as well is in a hanging pot. Uh, it also keeps those you know, those nasty little snails and slugs away. So, yeah, a hanging pot can be also a good way to uh, to grow strawberries. Just let them trail down. You're uh, easily easy to pick as well. You don't have to bend down yeah. to pick the strawberries. But uh, <laughs> but the main thing is it keeps those snails and slugs away.
2: Mm. And I've got a passion fruit vine, Yes. and it's probably got half a dozen passion fruits on it now, but even last year it had about 20 passion fruits on it, but it's actually, um, the vine has got no leaves on it. It had leaves on it, but something's eating the leaves, and um, I asked somebody and they said it probably could be the possums, because um, I'm on three acres, so I've got possums,
1: yeah, look, I, I wouldn't dispute that claim. Uh, yeah, possums, they really will have a feed on anything they can. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's quite possible they're, they're feeding off that. Uh, and eating the leaves of the passion fruit. Uh, look with that. Just make sure you're, uh, you know, you're uh, fertilising uh, your your uh, your passion fruit quite well. Yes. Again, a liquid yes. fertiliser. A quick-growing plant. So, uh, I, I think it's important when you've got a quick-growing plant like that to be fertilising with a, a liquid fertiliser. They love the drink of water, and uh, they they suck up the fertiliser really quickly, and it just all works in a nice, uh, you know, sort of circular pattern for you. What I thought, because
2: there's like last year, there was hardly any leaves well there was a few more leaves last year but this year when I was mowing the other day I went down and like it's just vine with a few passion fruits hanging off it And I thought when the passion fruit season finished, I'd cut it back down to the ground and let it reshoot up again.
1: Yes, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Yeah. might be a bit late to do that now. Uh, Look, another thing is passion fruits, you know, they do have a certain lifespan. They get a bit tired uh, like we all do. Uh, It it might be a good idea just to even put a new one in there and let it sort of run, you know, through the old one. Uh, And, you know, eventually when the old one dies, then you'll have a nice fresh one there ready to go for you.
2: Okay. okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the call, thank Margaret, you. appreciate it. Okay, thank you, okay, bye. And
0: we've got Brian from Wool's End, and he's got a question about
3: tomato
1: plants. Good afternoon, Brian, how can we help you?
3: Uh, yes, hello, Scott. Uh, yes, the tomato plant that I've got, it's um, grown beautifully, it's got a heap of flowers, a heap of fruit, but the leaves and branches are all twisting around itself. Ooh, and that, then dying.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound too good. You you might have some sort of wilt, uh, but firstly, have you noticed any white fly out around the plant? Because they can do a lot of damage to tomatoes as well. It- no, no, I haven't seen any white fly. Okay. You, you might have some. It's called um, wilt on there. Yeah, uh, it's it's very difficult to treat, especially once it's got to the condition that it is with yours. Um, so it might be best to uh, actually pull that out now and dispose of that, and mm-hmm. then drench the soil um, with a fungicide um, to see if you can get rid of it that way. Yeah. The other issue that tomatoes can have as well are nematodes. And yep. they're also very difficult to get rid of as well. Uh, we People often ring in and they'll give us some uh, tips on how to do that. And molasses is one way to try and choke nematodes out of the soil. They're a parasitic little worm that wrecks up the root system, of uh, attaches to the root system and wrecks up the root system of, of various plants. But they do love tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you pull them out you'll find all sorts of weird nodules uh, all over the root system of the plant and that will indicate too you've got uh, nematodes Uh, so you can treat um, with molasses Uh, but look one of the best things to do is just to pull plants out of that bed and let it lie fallow for the year uh, trying to keep the uh, the nematodes away so Uh, Mate, I I think if your tomatoes are at that uh, point where you know they're all shriveled up and and all twisted and not looking very good, uh, time to pull them out or at least one of them, inspect and see what's happening,
3: yeah, and then
1: be prepared to uh, make a you know pretty hard call on them.
3: Yeah, that one was in in the garden, Mm -hmm. Um, and I have got another one alongside it, it seems okay. Okay, the other tomato plant I had in a big black. To go yellow from the bottom mm. and gradually worked its way up the whole plant.
1: Yeah, so that so that sounds more like wilt that you've got in that case. Yeah, uh, and and look, nematodes get into a into a pot of fresh potty mix. Uh, you know, it's, that's yep. that's going to be pretty rare. Uh, so I would think you probably have got wilt uh, in the garden.
3: Yeah, yeah, right
1: out then. Okay, right up. Sorry about Would... the bad news, mate. Oh, right.
3: Oh, I'll have to throw all that fruit away then. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> right.
3: Thanks S- very see much. See you, Brian. Go. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye.
1: Why is wilt such bad news? Oh, because it's just very difficult to control. And if it's at that um, stage in the plants, then uh, yeah, you're just not going to, to get rid of it. Uh, you just need to be spraying preventatively, drenching the soil as well uh, to try and keep it under control. But yeah, once it's like that, you're not going to get those tomatoes coming back. Right. Yep. So just dig the whole thing up? Yep, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yep. sorry <laughs> it's a bit depressing <laughs> well, we've got julia now from tanulaba bay and well she wants to eradicate green ants from her garden oh, i don't think you want to invite them into your garden <laughs> would you uh, <laughs> julia what's been happening at tanulaba bay with those ants
2: oh they're just annoying the life out of my garden <laughs> and you you know and I'm, i've just been working uh working on a rose bush out the back and um you know, I got bitten on the foot again. Yes, and I want to get rid of. I've got to get rid of
1: them. Oh, I mean, and that's the problem. I mean, it's part from being bitey, uh, they also, when they're building their nests around plants, uh, you know how they, you know, they dig it up and they've got the little tunnels and whatnot. Do yep. that, that they go through there? Then the. The, uh, you know, the moisture just soaks through very quickly And also any nutrient as well So ants, um, although you know, I'm sure they have a wonderful place in, in the garden um, you know If they're getting to that point in time Where they're just taking over And you've got lots of nests Yes, you will have to treat them uh, you, you can, when you've identified where the nest is Uh, make up a a drench of a chemical, you know, like malathon. Uh, There are actually ant killers, uh, you know, lurking around out there as well where you can sprinkle them around and they'll take those back into the nest. Uh, I don't mind the old drench method, um, but, uh, you know, you have to mix up a watering can or two of it and really soak the soil where the poor ants are and uh, try and get them under control that way. Otherwise, you might have to get in the, the pest um, exterminator person uh, who will be able to drench or spray that area considerably as well for you.
2: Right. So, well, try, try the mouth on first.
1: Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, mix it up in, uh, in, a, in accordance with the instructions on the side. There might be, when you go to your garden centre, some other sort of ant killer uh, chemical that you can make up and, and drench in uh, into the soil. Um, but that that's what you need to do. Just sort of arm yourself with a couple of watering cans full of it and get in there and just water and drench it right down through the soil around where the nest is.
2: Okay. I've got them out the front and I've also got them out the back here. So um, I might I, we've been trying ant sand, but they just take away. They, they go yum, 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 and they take it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that can be a problem. So it might be, you know, even if you are giving it one hit, you might have to be a bit more persistent and go back and, you know, recharge your, your watering cans and, and give them some more. But that that should clear it up for you. thank
2: you. Thank you. I'll give it a try. Okay. Thank you very much, Julia. appreciate it. Have a nice thank Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: And we've got Vicky on the line. She's from Redhead, and she's calling about camellias. Good afternoon, Vicky.
1: How can we help you with those camellias?
3: Hi there, Scott. Um, we've got for uh, camellias on the southern side of the metal fence. They're about eight foot tall. We have a lovely time with the possums. Um and my husband did get a bit overzealous with general-purpose fertiliser, and now all the, we've had a lot of leaves drop off and a lot of the buds from, for next year. Wondering if you, can, if you cut it back, would um, it reshoot?
1: Yes, look, it it will reshoot, but I I'd be inclined at the moment just to leave it be and just water the plant heavily to try and flush that fertilizer back down through the soil, and and get rid of it that way. Uh, it it might be that you know after you know a month or so you find there's you know a lot of dead twig ends that might need yeah, a light print. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So look, if you can identify those, certainly go through and cut those back to some green. That might promote some new shoots for you but uh yeah i'm always a, a big fan of just leaving a plant you know like that that's a bit stressed uh just to you know keep on giving it water and flush it through definitely no more fertilizer um I'm pruning it back I, I don't know that it particularly helps I, I really think that watering is the only thing you can do
3: yeah we did it probably um end of uh, winter hmm so, um, yeah, it's had a good flush, but
1: <laughs> it looks pretty sad. Oh, uh, okay. So it, it happened that long ago. It wasn't just a, you know, yeah. last week sort of thing, is that? No, no. No. Well, you know what? I think it probably is time to give it a prune back in that case. Uh, you know, if it had only happened recently, I'd say, yes, just water, but we've had lots of rain. Uh, it should have flushed through. So I would now, yes, uh, give it a good cut back and uh, try and promote some new growth on the plants.
3: Yeah, uh, so it will shoot
1: again. Yes, oh, definitely, yeah. Just keep on cutting back until you get to some green. Uh, it might look a little bit ugly for a while, but camellias will shoot back. Uh, they're a great hedging plant. Uh, so, yeah, don't don't despair. Just uh, give it the cut back and keep on watering.
2: Okay, thanks, Scott.
1: Okay, thank you for the call, Vicky. Okay, bye
2: now. Bye.
0: We've got Trevor from Raff Mines, and he's got a question about dieback in roses.
1: Good afternoon, Trevor. How can we help you?
3: Hello, Scott. Um, I have an area for roses. I've got about six roses, bushes in one area. It's a good sunny area. It, uh, I fertilise them every two to three months with just uh, um, dynamic lif- lifter-type product. They're reasonably well watered. They're in full sun, but I continually get rot- dieback in them.
1: Oh, Okay. Now, are you pruning the- those roses very often?
3: Um every then once a year I uh, these roses are about 3 years old, 4 years old now.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, look it's it's just when people prune or cut back roses, you know how you'd have to do it just above where the bud is at a nice angle because if you don't, you get die back in it and it starts to set back and and go right down through the stem of the plant. Yeah,
3: that's what's happening.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, but that doesn't sound exactly like that um you know, it's not like you've been pruning it, you know, regularly or, you know, doing any cutting of flowers. I, I
3: cut the flowers all the time.
1: Yeah. Ah, okay. So I, I think they're, you just need
3: to... They're long stem roses and they're, they're, they sit in a out the back out-of-the-way vegetable type area. Okay. And they're for picking roses for... My missus complained a couple of years ago. She never got any roses, so I grew some plants. Oh, well, she
1: she must <laughs> feel really good about you then. <laughs> So
3: bending as
1: long as them roses all the time. Oh, very but, nice. So look, when you when you're cutting those rose stems off, make yeah. sure that you're cutting. You know, you can cut them at the length that, that you want, but then go back and sort of tidy up the plant. And prune just above where the bud break is or where, you know, where a leaf's coming out and do it at a nice angle. Uh, You know, it's probably, I'm just getting my little finger out here, probably about, you know, a centimetre or or less than a centimetre at a nice angle just above there. And that stops dieback forming. Uh, Now, the other thing to do is if you have got dieback in the plant, you do need to try and prune it out as well. So you just have to sort of cut back to where it's nice and green and you're not seeing that black and yellow uh, come into into the rows uh, so just again prune back to your bud nice angle and that should stop the dieback back for you as well mm-hmm. uh, now look the you can also uh, spray with uh, you know i was going to say a sulfur spray how many mm-hmm. leaves a lot of leaves on the plant though because if you sort of try and tidy up the ends and seal off the ends with your sulfur spray uh it actually will burn the leaves on the plant so you just have to be a bit careful about doing that so mm-hmm. yeah, so after you've pruned, you're actually spraying or you know just dabbing some of that sulphur, uh, you know, on the end of the the branch and sealing it up nicely, so uh, you don't get any more pest and disease going down through it. Okay,
3: I'll try that. Yeah, that might just be, just be careful I'm... about
1: you, the way you're spraying it though, because it will burn anything that it touches. So you have to be very, very careful about that. Yeah,
3: I, mean, I use a sulphur spray when um, after sort of the. The
1: winter pruning. Yeah, and that's the time to use because it because it kills off any scale or mites that the plant might have. It seals up all the nice, you know, the, the ends from your pruning. Um, so it might be, you know, just keep a little bit, you know, mixed up and use a little paintbrush or something when you're cutting the roses for your wife uh, and just go and seal up those ends as well just to try and stop any disease getting in there.
3: That might
1: be the problem,
3: I think. Yeah, okay. Might have to stop picking roses for
1: oh, her. Oh, look, don't tell her that just you might just I'll have to it. send her out to the garden to have a look at them rather than come in them come inside to her.
3: I'll tell what Scott said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. Thanks for the thanks for the call, Trevor. Pre- appreciate it. Bye. Bye bye. You straight out of the bus there. Oh well, you know. I survived that.
0: (laughs) Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week. Is there anything you want to mention before you mosey on out?
1: I thought I might just mention uh, the Cape Chestnut that's out in flower at the moment. Uh, It's a fairly big tree. It gets about 8, 10 metres tall, probably just as wide as well. So it's quite a big canopy tree, a bit slow to start off but if you persevere with a cape chestnut it's got nothing to do with capes or chestnuts this particular oh. plant it's just a nice name for it but it has these amazing purple flowers that are out and about at the moment it just absolutely covers the entire tree uh really really spectacular but you do need some space to to grow a cape Cape chestnut in the garden doesn't sound too bad no but uh, yeah look a, a really beautiful uh plant it's got a, a sort of a, a gray bark as well uh, you know the Leaves are just a nice, you know, you know, green. They survive yep. being out in the full sun. You know, obviously with a plant that size, probably a bit tender to have around the coast. Uh, you know, maybe you don't want them around the frost as well. But uh, yeah, a really fantastic tree. It is just a sea of purple at the moment. It's a beautiful purple. It's not like a jacaranda. They don't make a horrible mess like a jacaranda. Yep. So Cape chestnut, uh, I think, is uh, you know a, a great plant and one to have in the garden. Right. Sounds better than what I initially pictured. Yes, but no near no, no chestnuts on there. Yeah. Or capes. Or capes. I was imagining <laughs> so, a plant with a big cape. So Batman's with going to be, he's not going to be able to get a disguise from there. Alright, Scotch Up,
0: thank you very much, and we'll catch you again next week. Yes, next week. See you then.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2 NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.